0: born on the 17th of the november delve into a world of words with books and beyond mm-hmm. a podcast made especially for audiobook lovers i came into the world as the youngest of five I wondered children what her majesty would be like Fie um, upon you limpid one why have you taken? immerse yourself in gripping stories and timeless classics from the comfort of your own personal space, since underlined three points on the context. There was initiative. no better
1: wine, and not to mention the.
0: Whether you're a bookworm or a casual listener, our carefully curated selection of audiobooks will transport you to new worlds and stir your imagination. Subscribe to Books and Beyond
1: and start your audiobook adventure now on radio.cgtn.com
0: or your favorite podcast app. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, China's top court has disclosed details on 10 typical domestic violence cases. Well, these examples provide deterrence to the violent members of the society and reference to regional course across the country. The southern city of Hangzhou has issued some guidelines to improve its environment for children. Why does it matter if children feel at home in a city? And in the Motivational Monday segment, we will each share a quote or story that gives us the strength and inspiration to embrace a brand new week. For today's discussion, I'm joined by Fei Fei and Niu Hong now I'll roundtable some sad stories of domestic violence cases as revealed by the Supreme People's Court of the People's Republic of China. The, uh, well, like I said earlier, these are 10 typical judicial cases, uh, it was revealed in mid-June, and this is part of the country's efforts to protect victims of domestic violence, and, uh, let's see what these cases include?
2: Well, actually, uh, the 10 cases include four criminal cases and the um Among those, there are cases uh, where we are taught that disciplining children is not a valid justification for committing domestic violence. If the act of domestic violence directly result in the death of a child, it should be considered intentional injury. And also, we we are learning from these cases that if a woman kills her abuser due to unbearable domestic violence for a really long time, it can be considered intentional domestic homicide with relatively minor circumstances and the person may not bear criminal liability and also we are learning from these cases that stopping ongoing domestic violence in accordance with the provisions of the criminal law is considered legitimate self-defense and does not incur criminal responsibilities and we are learning a lot of things from these 10 different cases and I think that is the purpose of issuing the classic cases because actually we know that since 2016, China's First anti-domestic violence law came into force. It has clearly details measures to protect women, such as the issuing of a warning letter and protection order. And all, um, all the, all these years after uh, the launch of the first anti-domestic violence law, actually there has been adjustments to the law and there has been um, improvements and also by issuing the 10 classical cases, which I think we can discuss in detail a little bit later, we are learning more details and also we are learning more measures that especially victims can take. They can um, resort to law to protect themselves.
0: Hmm. Right, right. That's quite the background and not only uh, some details, some um, cases about the uh, 10 criminal cases but also uh, the background of uh, the inclusion of uh, domestic violence into China's legal system Fei Fei my question here is um, what, what why does it matter why do uh, why why is this uh, top court releasing these cases I mean for a somebody that doesn't have a law degree doesn't have a background in this we tend to look at criminal cases like, uh, domestic violence, or even homicide, like just cases that uh, are that best left to the court and the law enforcement. And it's quite easy for us to assume that maybe there's a formula here that uh, if you, somebody commits a crime uh, in such and such circumstances, I mean, then uh, the lawmakers or the, uh, the judges will rule accordingly. But, yeah, that it should be simple as that. Why why are we revealing these examples to the general public, I and mean, what purpose does it serve, and will it? somehow shed some light on how the law operates in this regard to the general public. Will it also uh, provide some reference to original courts across the country?
1: Yes, I think these list of top 10 um, typical judicial cases against domestic violence definitely, I think, send the message not only to the public, but also to courts at local levels is that when they encounter similar uh, circumstances, there are these cases can provide an example of them to rely on, especially when you look at the 10 cases that the court listed, I think the general direction has changed compared to before the anti-domestic violence law was issued. I think before 2016 that most of the materials, you know, trying to teach the public about domestic violence and how to protect yourself against this kind of violence is that, um, you know, domestic violence is not a family conflict. Mm. It's actually a legal offense that can be reported to the judicial or to the police. But now we are seeing people are accepting this concept that domestic violence is against law. It's not something that's just a small quarrel happened among family members. But when we are implementing this law, we are there are confusions happening not only among the public but also among <sighs> legal people working in the legal atmosp- uh, legal area is that they're not really sure when it comes to for example the issuing of the personal safety protection order how to do that how when is the proper time to issue such an order and who can apply for such order and how to apply for such order and when is the best time to issue that order faster than usual i think that's these kind of detailed, really detailed questions can only be answered case by case and then for example i think in in these top 10 cases we see I think two of them regarding the personal safety protection order is about for example um, the court said it showcases the importance of conducting follow-up visits and ensuring that the enforcement of the order after the issuance of that order and also for example, it also have another cases telling people that there are online applications for these kind of orders if you are really in an urgent need of a protection order from the authority. And I think it helps the public. I think I, I heard a lot of such discussions online about, you know, can I can I actually apply for, mm. for this kind of order? I'm not really sure. And I think with this list of 10 cases, people are more clear about what they can do when they encounter similar cases.
0: And also, uh, there's plenty of time for us to go into the details of the 10 cases. But before that, a little bit more background on this, and that is through the 10 cases, we are able to see how China's uh, judges, the law enforcement and judiciary system, are taking into consideration some international standards. There's plenty of reference to the UN document on elimination of any form of violence against women. So these, uh, these are uh, frequently being paid lip service in the top 10 examples examples showing that uh, China, even as, it's chi- as it tries to improve its own legal system, is taking into consideration the general trends and requirements going on going on uh, in the international community as well. And now let's move on to some of the typical cases. For instance, I think they provide very good reference and also some might even serve as a guiding principle in some cases to enlighten and inspire lawmakers and uh, law enforcement and judiciary uh, system workers uh, across the country, in fact. One of the uh, cases um, involves somebody who's been, well, taking too much alcohol and therefore uh, has been deemed as somebody whose behavior uh, has been somehow inhibited through the intake of certain substances and this obviously would present a uh, difficulty uh, in uh, in in court as people uh, might um, especially uh, the lawyers might come up and say oh my client or has been uh, somehow uh, undermined his his reason or his decision making capacity has s- somehow been uh, undermined because of this influence and and therefore i i Maybe some form of uh, le- lesser punishment is in form, is in order here. I mean, that's what. What, what is the ruling here in this typical case?
2: Well, actually, uh, we believe that. Well, by saying we, I mean the court believes at uh, the time of the incident the husband here. Despite he had limited criminal responsibility due to his assume of alcohol, actually his mental disorder was non-pathological uh, pl- pl- Excuse me, and was a result of his voluntary actions of consuming alcohol. Additionally, there has been a long-term history of domestic violence while being drunk, and the incident cases was in- initiated by the um, Actually, the husband's fault thus should not be categorized as a case caused by family influ- conflict, uh, and that is why it should not be having a lenient punishment. And I think Liming has made a very good point by saying this is a very typical case, and also it um, put us in a kind of hard position if we consider things in previous let's say, mentality, that is, this man is drunk, he is under influence, maybe he is too emotional, maybe this is an act of um, passion, a passion, yes, but that is actually not the case. Because if you think about or if you take a look at all the uh, domestic, maybe not all, but many of the domestic violence abuser, you would realize that, Outside of the family, when they are in workplace, when they're among their friends, they appear to be very nice people. They are kind. They are not short tempered, which means the act of domestic violence is not an act of passion. It's not lost of temper. It's not, not emotion driven. Actually, it is a decision. It is a decision they made at that exact moment. And what we should do is to raise the cost of such violent crime, of such behavior. And by doing that, we can actually help the victim. We can actually help those families to avoid being tangled in this situation.
0: Mm -hmm, And therefore, this uh, action under the influence, either under the influence of alcohol or drugs, may not have been uh, enough reason for forgiveness or in, in, the, in the case of the law language, then it may not be cause for leniency in court. Uh, another example would be um, uh, in the discussion of a court of a case, the court was able to invite some experts uh, with a degree and authority in law and as well as psychology to provide counseling to the court and therefore enabling the court and the judges to make the right decision and ruling uh, after being fully informed on the impact of domestic violence on the psyche of the victim and and therefore uh, giving out appropriate verdict to those who committed the offense.
1: Yes exactly and I also think um, that happens to a lot of the domestic violence cases that when the victims have been taken that kind of violence for a really long time and most of them endure that kind of environment for over years and to the point that some of them decided to take really extreme actions to protect themselves and in these cases and the victim actually um, killed the perpetrator and but i think what the experts are saying is that after she's done the um m- murder of her husband she called the police she was very i wouldn't say calm but she did it seems to be very calm that she stayed at the scene, she called the police, she didn't move anything around that scene, and she confessed to the police what she did. And I think that's what the experts are evaluating based on these kind of behavior is that she's been under domestic violence for a really, really long time. and has long-term impacts on her psychological and mental health States, and that's also leading to the to the result that we are seeing today. And I think um, the court is taking the advice from these experts and decide to give her a light punishment um, as uh, as some sort of a self defense. And I think it sets also an example for many of the victims out there who had to take these sort of extreme actions to protect themselves that they won't face severe punishments. In these cases,
0: of course, we don't expect uh, victims of domestic violence to think that they're going to be uh, permanently off the hook Mm -hmm. if they choose to take offensive actions, extremely offensive actions against what they are being dealt with. Uh, But I think this case would serve as a better example for the court. Uh, when they are encountering very difficult situations. And the saying is, it's it's likely for victims of domestic, domestic violence to come up with very extreme measures to counter the offensive because they believe that they have to be very extreme they have to be effective lest they will suffer more afterwards from uh, retribution by by the inflictors of domestic violence so this this is one consideration very valuable for regional courts to to consider what other interesting cases that have caught your eye?
2: Well, actually, one case that I find particularly encouraging is that um, case number nine shows that wrongdoing of the victim does not justify domestic violence and the perpetrator should not have direct custody of children. In this case, we have the wife cheating on the husband. Mm hmm in the first place. And the husband feel that he is the victim and he resort to domestic violence to quote unquote um, punish his wife. And in this case, when the wife file a, um, well, actually filed the case against the husband. The husband Mm -hmm. said, she cheated on me, so she does not qualify to raise the kids. But um, the the court actually said that you are the perpetrator of a domestic violence case. You should not have direct custody of children. So that's the ruling. And I find that very encouraging is because for a lot of, especially a lot of Chinese women, the reason that they do not file for divorce, the reason that they do not want to leave the husband is because they want to give their children a complete family. They want the children to have both daddy and mommy. But a daddy who's constantly beating the mommy is not going to make the children feel better, feel like they have a quote-unquote whole, complete childhood. So that is... That should not be the reason. But that reason has been holding people down for a really long time. And now I'm seeing this very encouraging case saying specifically that a perpetrator should not have full custody of children, raising the cost of domestic violence one step higher, making sure that one anyone, no matter the husband or the wife in the family, when they're raising their head, when they are thinking about throwing the punches, they should think about their children, should think about whether or not they'll be able to see their child before they turn 18.
0: Right, exactly. Another point Another point to take away from this case is that uh, uh, we believe, and in fact, the courts believe that uh, for children to grow up in a family where they can see repeated domestic domestic violence is likely to uh, precipitate the vicious cycle mm. and therefore somebody some of them might grow up becoming an inflictor of domestic violence and as such the court would support uh, the uh, complete custody uh, on the part of the victim of domestic violence and therefore that that's one one explanation for this. A key, uh, thing in the ten cases is the uh, the issue of personal safety protection order, mm-hmm. and and here we, we see uh, the the ruling uh, really being practiced on the ground. I mean, like 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 we like I said earlier, for somebody who's not professional in this, we might think, oh, there's uh, this clause providing personal protection, and those who mm-hmm. who are in need might apply for them, and, and that's it, that's done people get protection, but in fact, in, in their real life, even as people have applied for a personal protection order, there might still be uh, intricacies involved, and, uh, and I'm glad to see uh, examples being demonstrated here to see how rulings like this can actually work. One typical example involves the efficiency or the uh, speed in which uh, personal protection order can be grant- can be applied and granted.
1: Yes, exactly. And in that case, in more conventional ways, that people who try to apply for a per- safety, personal safety protection order, it took them about ten days to complete that compl- uh, apl- application. Sorry, but in that case, when the victims are being threatened, and the, her family was also involved, and she seeked the help of a lawyer, and they found out that the local court had a nap for such order and allows online application for the orders. So they decided to use this approach and worked out pretty nicely. It takes them less than 24 hours and from the time when the applicant files the request to relevant departments and guarantee the enforcement. So the whole process was conducted online and it was really fast and I think it settles for many, many people out there who are concerned of how this can be a very complicated and a troubling process, it can be actually done very fast and very timely to protect yourself against some potential threatens outside.
2: And also, uh, the enforcement of the order is also being taken into consideration. Actually, uh, the neighboring committee, neighborhood committee mm-hmm. here in China are playing a very important role, not only helping and supervising the enforcement of such order, but also protecting a social um, shelter, a social supporting system for the victims. That is also a very important, let's say, link in Mm. um, addressing domestic violence, because for a lot of of victims, they don't have a supporting system because their family members are sometimes being threatened by the husband or by the perpetrator as well. And our law nowadays allow their uh, relatives, their close friends, and also people working in the neighborhood committee to file the complaint, to file the report for them. So they do not have to be Let's say, uh, clear-minded enough, or have enough freedom in the family to file the report, because some of them don't. Mm-hmm. And the function of the neighborhood committee can really help a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. And not just the neighborhood committee, of course. I mean, uh, hiding—I wouldn't say hiding, but in fact, at the background of this application that allowed the women or the victim to pre- to very effectively and efficiently apply for personal protection order. Uh, even as everybody in the country are is working very hard and busy to get ready for the spring festival is is the uh, the interdepartmental system, mm-hmm. including public security and civil affairs and the courts, to get involved. Through that platform and to follow things up, so that that's uh, another very good example to show uh, actually how China's uh, laws and regulations on, on the prevention of domestic violence is are working on the ground. Uh, another, of course, this also this is also a typical example to uh, to show how uh, the requirement to take swift action within 24 hours in case of emergency uh, is being implemented across the country. This Mm -hmm. is also in line with international standard
2: And one little detail I'd like to mention here is one of the case uh, actually suggests that domestic violence cases requires multiple measures to achieve a resolution. And in that case, we see that in order to prevent the perpetrator from keep having bad influence on the children, actually they resort to long distance uh, file of a, well, actually a long distance courting, It means that the children and the wife in this case do not have to be in the same room with the husband anymore. And also, after the ruling of the case, um, relevant department actually uh, assigned shrinks for the children in the family, making sure that they are not scarred for life. Mm -hmm. Per se, so very well, I find that also very. Confront well, very comforting. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And there's another typical example of how the authorities are following up even after uh, a personal protection order has been issued. And it is likely for somebody to assume that well, an order is in place, and uh, we should consider the woman or the victim safe from the violator or the of- offender or uh, the the uh, the uh, committed the 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 person that's committing the uh, domestic violence Mm -hmm. but in fact in in the follow-up measures they are the authorities are able to detect and discover more uh cases more serious cases of of uh violence and therefore uh, they are able to take swift action to uh, guard against uh, further further infliction and uh Bear in mind that these are typical examples issued by the top court of this country, but these typical cases are not necessarily from the top court. The, some of these cases are good examples from regional courts and uh, how they can be creative and innovative in, in sorting out the particular cases in their own region. And, and having them revealed in the general public has the value of uh, demonstration and therefore other courts in other parts of the country might as well uh, follow through. Follow follow through in this.
2: And also, I think for everyone listening out there, we have the law in place and we're trying really hard to make sure everyone understands how it works. So make sure that if you see such violence or if you are very unfortunately experience such violence in your family, there is this. Very powerful weapon you can resort to to protect yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up in the second half of the show, the city of Hangzhou, which is to host the 19th Asian Games, has come up with an ambitious plan to make itself extra friendly to children. Why does this matter and what are the changes being brought to the city? We will find out more after this short break. So Stay with us for more fun discussion on Roundtable. Deep Deep Dive, a podcast podcast of CGTN CGTN Radio. Radio, We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world.
1: Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations.
0: Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Lai Ming, joined by Feifei and and Ling in the studio. Coming up, as the majority of China's population move into cities, the authorities are working to meet the growing demand for better living environment, and this includes that of children. The city of Hangzhou in southern China, among others, have stepped up efforts on child-friendly urban planning. We will find out what concrete steps they are taking. And guess what we have planned in Motivational Monday to give you that energy boost for the week? Of course, all of this will be revealed to you in the next half hour. Just to stay with us. Now let's find out what's happening in Hangzhou. So the city claims that it is taking advantage of the hosting of the 19th Asian Games to improve the environment, both for athletes and the citizens, and particularly for children. What are the steps that they promise to take?
1: Well um there are they actually issued guidelines involving the construction of public facilities for mothers and children preschool education the construction of child friendly parks and services for children living in difficult situations and that include for example building child friendly spaces from the perspective of 1 meter height basically you know trying to see the world through the lens Aww. of a child hmm. not assuming that they are as as tall as us. They're not. Yeah, they have their <laughs> different limitations when it comes to their height. Mm-hmm. And also they are taking advantage of the Asian game venues in Hangzhou and improve the mater- maternal and child facilities in the 22 venues in the city. And that also include carry out children's Asian games, research and activities and organize 100 sports, sports activities fit for children, basically trying to promote sports among children. And that also include other things like trying to improve the travel experiences for children and, for example, having um, maternal and child rooms at all subway stations and install corner protectors at the nursing desks and basin stands to protect the children from sharp edges. And also that includes, you know, commuting bus routes for students and children and also uh, promote childcare services and adding nursery places throughout the year and raise the coverage rate of nursery institutions in townships or streets to ninety-five percent, and also hold professional courses for parents who are trying to raise an infant or young child, and that includes a much, much more, um, you know, measures more than this, but basically trying to include uh, the perspective of children when they are sort of trying to enhance the overall building of the city. And I think we, mu- we are in much needed in this regard, considering, you know, over the, I think, especially 10 years ago, apparently we don't really have a lot of such child-friendly facilities in cities, especially Especially in the very fast pace of urbanization, and modernization, that sometimes vulnerable groups like children are left behind. And now we are trying to keep up in this and trying to provide them with more inclusive and comfortable environment for them to grow up and learn from the environment.
2: Yeah, I think it's a very nice initiative because it's not just our cities. It's the kids' cities as well, building them with little parks they can play in, little library designated for kids, a children's hospital. Of course, these are necessities for children. They need all these to, you know, have a happy life. Yet we're also trying nowadays, trying to adapt the city to what we call a child friendly city because we're trying to take into consideration of their perspective, making not only these several little places for children, but also the entire city to be more friendly for children.
0: But what does it matter? I mean, if you ask me, who grew up in a rural area of the country i don't remember having a child-friendly environment growing up. because you up. don't you didn't mm-hmm. why <laughs> does it matter having something uh, having provisions of this in a city or in cities
1: well i think we have to look at it from different perspective you know in rural areas you don't really need intentionally build an environment for the children it, the nature is the environment for the children. You know, there are so many things Lucky you can them. play with, play a rink run knife on the hills and play around the trees and there are animals around you. But, you know, in cities, things are quite different, especially um, before these child friendly initiatives were started. A lot of the space, for example, parks or libraries and museums have been sort of squeezed out by other commercial buildings in the cities. And that means children don't have enough space to hang around, especially to learn. Basically, when children are playing in the nature or in whichever environment they live in, they are learning. It's a learning experience. And I think that's what... People, children living in the rural areas have it in the sort of merit there is that they, you don't have to intentionally build a tree. You don't have to, have to plant a tree intentionally in your community. There are plenty of trees out there. There are animals. There are different plants. And you know and you learn this from your everyday experience about the nature. But now, especially I have a young child in my family, I realize how these young children are so distinct Detached from the nature, they know so little about the animals, the plants out there. What could happen when certain things happen in the nature? It, it seems so unnatural for them to because they don't have that environment. There is no ooze around them. There's no not so much of animals around them except you know ants and squirrel and some squirrels maybe a little birds, but it's not that much. You know, so I think it, it's sort of. Uh, also have a long term consequences when children get detached from the nature inv- natural environment. And I think that's why cities in particular are working so hard to build the child friendly environment. But you don't hear that much from like a village because they don't have to build a park in the middle of the woods for the children to hang out. <laughs> but then there is other perspective when we're talking about child-friendly environment that also in- uh, involves like certain things like law enforcement to protect children from certain crimes out there. And they're also um, learning and teaching environment out there. And that's a different perspective. I think both the urban and rural areas also need to work on um, from both pers- perspective, But when it comes to nature, I think the people living in villages, they, they don't have to worry about this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and personally, I also don't think it's something
2: that children, ha- children have to have. It's not something that they cannot live without. It's just a nice improvement because thinking about when I was a kid, I live in the city, for my entire life. And when I was a kid, I remember myself playing in the gardens with some other kids. I'm We were playing dirt mm. and we were playing bricks and we turned the bricks into dirt by rubbing them against each other. So we didn't really have much. I mean, it was, you know, among the brick and order world and the buildings are really high and we don't have places to play. We can, we could be very creative. I had a happy childhood, but it would, it could be much nicer. And nowadays I have a little boy and I realize that in my neighborhood, there are these little areas with little slides with merry-go-rounds that kids can play with. Well, again, it's nice improvement and that is what we're doing. And I think that is why in 2021, the central government issued guidance on building 100 pilot child-friendly cities by 2025. And by 2035, over 50% of the country's cities with a population of more than 1 million will be transformed into child-friendly cities. And children are very lucky to be able to live in such societies where their voices are being listened. And... Mm. um, I think that is that will also help the children have a more proactive kind of attitude they would feel like they are also you know master of their city and I hear well I see examples for instance in um, Japan there is such ideas of including kids into the planning of their mm. cities and they ask children's advices I mean children they're they're some some of their advices might not be that realistic or quote unquote useful, but it's nice to include them in in the urban planning. P- process.
0: Yeah, yeah, I feel like we're dwelling on this part of the conversation, but I still feel obliged to share and that is I for one do not take for granted the uh, benefit of living in nature as somebody who almost grew up in- entirely in the countryside. I uh, I have to know, I have to say there's plenty of risks and hazards involved in living in nature mm. and close to nature. So, uh, I think it's also Uh, In fact, perhaps even more important for uh, people to think about making the environment friendly to the children in rural areas as well. But then, that being said, we are talking about making cities more friendly to children today. And it is important for children to have their own space. It is one thing to uh, risk your... Uh, risk yourself and try and have fun with nature at your own peril uh, when you <laughs> are in with rural dirt. areas. <laughs> but it's another thing to have to worry about whether you have enough space to enjoy yourself in a metropolitan or urban setting. And the, and the urban setting uh, with the limited space obviously, obviously is more, way more dangerous and risky for children to roam freely. And therefore, it, it is rather Interesting and democratic to involve children in the planning of a city. And, and that being said, uh, what are the mo- most immediate needs that we can think of to improve the environment for children living in cities?
1: Well, it depends on which city we're talking about, I guess. Um, for big cities like Beijing, I think... Um, one of the most immediate actions that's you need are basically the educational facilities in the cities. So basically, we hear people talking about sometimes how difficult it can be for people uh, to try to get their children enrolled in a public for example, kindergarten. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing the Beijing government, they are trying to improve on this perspective. They are trying to improve the number of educated schools and kindergartens in different districts and they are also trying to help those who don't have the hukou the the household registration here in Beijing locally can also get adequate education while their parents are living and working in the city and that also requires for example in the city of Chongqing they are helping uh, launching a program focused on the healthcare Uh, for children, they are monitoring children's nutrition and also um, strengthening the screening, diagnosing and intervention of risk factors during children's growth. I think when it comes to health, it can be a headache and also something that the parents always, always have questions about. And having professionals, doctors and nurses out there giving professional advice to parents, it will be very, very helpful. And releasing the anxieties for many young parents who are sort of panicking about every little problem that their child have, sometimes is a problem, sometimes it's not, you're just over worrying, but they don't know really the, where the line is. And I think that is also a factor when we are trying to build the child-friendly cities.
2: Mm, One thing I'm thinking about is uh, for Mm transportation-wise, I feel like if there can be some child-friendly streets, that'd be really nice. I mean, many of the streets around schools, around kindergartens are already really child-friendly. But if we can... There's a speed limit. (laughs) There's a speed (laughs) limit, for sure. But also, maybe there can be some more creative ways to make the streets safer for kids for instance i see an example uh, in london Mm -hmm. that um, the parents and kids form this walking bus we call it walking bus because everyone's walking but it acts like a bus for children to go to different schools Mm -hmm. and there will be one or two parents voluntarily acting like the driver not really driver but the one that's guarding uh, this this team of kids
0: and they're walking in rows
2: they're walking in rows and they are stopping oh. at different stops, which are schools and kindergartens. And when that strategy or that way of acting is a city-based scheme, I feel like people would have more understanding and more um, acknowledgement towards this Way of acting so that they would give way to this little walking buzz of kids, and maybe that is an that is a creative way of and making a risky
0: way. I mean, uh, yes,
2: risky as well. <laughs>
0: it, 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 I might feel okay when everybody is aware and conscious when they're driving, but in case of somebody who's reckless, and then uh, so the society <laughs> of the UK is at least in the city of London is. Um, is has decided to to take a take a risk in, in making sure that this well, city is friendly to the children.
2: I think maybe you don't agree with this case in particular. Not right. quite. But I think another takeaway at it's least. What's a thought? Yeah. Yes, the thing is we can be a little bit more creative when it comes to helping the kids, creating a more child-friendly environment and also maybe include them in more um places that we didn't think of for instance there is a airplane in Germany that would allow kids because they have a lot of not used space Mm -hmm. and they include well they use the space to start this project to invite kids to come over, to play in the space and also to see the landing and taking off of airplanes and also include uh, many knowledge related to airplanes.
1: Okay.
2: I think, um, again, this is just a nice idea to include kids to the places that you don't necessarily used to think are very friendly to kids, mm-hmm. that are places that kids can learn, uh, learn f- from.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. I mean, uh, making a city friendly to children can be a giant and enormous endeavor. Mm. Think about the needs of a child, and the needs also change according to their age. And uh, their need for safety, their need for accommodation, their need for transportation and education and health. So... uh, there's a, there's a wide range of needs that needs to be addressed, and some part of it is easier to achieve than others. Uh, the In the examples that we've seen uh, in Hangzhou, I mean, they obviously have done uh, very efficiently with some part of the city, and that is they are trying and... Uh, Improve the hospitals and schools and communities and parks and libraries. Whereas some other parts might be harder, as as I can think of, in the city of Beijing would be uh, the downtown area where the the place has all but been fully developed. And mm. if you were to think of building a garden or finding an extra pot of land for children to enjoy themselves that would involve a lot of political power and decision making and even financial input. So the the only thing we can we can do is to try and be aware of the needs of the children and then perhaps uh, take make changes one step at a time and which is why we are talking about the changes in Hangzhou because they are leveraging the opportunity of hosting the Asian Games to introduce some changes to its environment given the extra funding that comes with the hosting of the major event is likely to uh, allocate certain resources into the improvement uh, in the example of the Beijing 2022 Winter Games, we saw uh, the big legacy of the Olympic Winter Olympic Park in Western, uh, West of Beijing. I think a lot of parents in Western Beijing might have found that spot and enjoyed and, and been grateful for its existence. I think likewise with Asian Games being uh, hosted, to be hosted in the city, uh, maybe some changes can be see, can be seen there as well. Um, so, as you you've all become parents, we are all parents on on the show today. And uh, <laughs> what other factors that uh, you think needs uh, more immediate attention and uh, more immediate changes?
1: Well, I think for one, it, it could be well getting a lot of base around this is that I think people's tolerance to uh, children mentality. that i uh-huh. know children can be loud can be unreasonable and you can't really reason with him or her especially when they are toddlers, too young to learn about these things about you know the, the 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 manners you need to follow in public places but the thing is i think um, for a society when they have different generations to live in we're talking about Uh, giving considerations to the older generations. And I also think for children, the younger generations, they're also the vulnerable group, of course, in the society. And sometimes they can be a lot to take. But I also think, you know, we always hear the, the phrase that the children is the future of our society, which is true, basically, you know, in 10, 20 years they will be us <laughs> they will be the pillars of the society and how we we raise them raise them and how we teach them what kind of people we raise them to be is crucial for us if we want to live in a healthy friendly environment in the future and i think that really requires every group in the society to be more tolerant when children are being Children.
2: Yeah. yeah, and building a child friendly city actually helps. One, you build enough nice and fun and very colorful. Uh, restaurants for children, I can take my children to these restaurants instead of the high-end restaurants where you require a very quiet environment. Mm. And if I can take my kids to play in a lot of different gardens with all these toys and other kids, I do not have to take my kids to high-end shopping malls and scream to, you know, make you feel like, ah, why are the kids being so noisy? Mm. So by in creating such environment, actually we're also raising not only the living standard of kids but also all the others living in the city.
0: Mm-hmm. I know I acted kind of like a jerk when I uh, first began by questioning the <laughs> rationale behind building a child-friendly city. But remember, a child-friendly city is a friendly city nonetheless, and in building it friendly to children, we are showing care to. Uh, an important member of the society and while we are at it, we make our city more caring and there's a lot to benefit from this even for other members of the society. You're listening to Roundtable Motivational Monday is it's next.
1: No, 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 Monday.
0: Shall we begin with Motivational Monday and who's the first to speak? Okay,
1: I'll, I'll go first. Um, I have a quote from the famous writer Lucian today and uh, let's hear it. When people die in Europe there's a ritual to ask for people's forgiveness and also give your own forgiveness to others. I have quite a few numbers of haters in my life and if some of them ask for my forgiveness, what should I say back? I give it some thought and decided to be, let them hate, I forgive none. And I think I'm not saying that, um, you know, by say, quoting this <laughs> phrase from Lu Xing, I'm not encouraging people to not forgive anyone and cling on any hatred you have in your life. But I just love, you know, the vigor Lu Xin have have here. And this quote is actually written in his will. And even in his final years, he still had this really fighter spirit and I think many of us today could use some of that a little bit. And In building a friendly
0: city for everybody.
1: <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying, considering, you know, thinking about the context when Lu Xun developed this kind of spirit, um, you know, China is was going through a lot of hardships. Some of them were due to China's own flawed system. Some of them were imposed from people outside of this country. And I think it's quite understandable for people like Lu Xun to have this I a knife and an eye spirit that I have to have my revenge back. I don't want to give my forgiveness to anyone who hurt me before. And I think he also in the same will, he also wrote, don't get close with those who hurt people, but stand against revenge and advocate for tolerance. And I think it makes some sense even today is that especially for today, there are a lot of haters, quote unquote, out there who hate people for, I think, no legit reasons. Maybe it's because of the personality, maybe because of our looks, or the way we talk, the way we write, the way we walk, you know, they hate people for everything. And I think it's a lot of people are troubled by this kind of unreasonable hatred today, especially online. And I think what Lu Xun, the spirit of Lu Xun is sending out here is very useful that let them hate. You hurt me, you hate me, and you don't expect me to forgive you in the future. And I will just let you rot there yourself and I will carry on with what I believe. And he always, you you know, became very... Vocal about his beliefs and his dislikes of certain people out there. And I think it's something that we can use a little to in today, even in today's very peaceful, <laughs> very prosperity society. It's still that stand firm on our beliefs and get vocal about our beliefs is also something we should cherish and value still. It's just my takeaway with this. Right,
0: right. We can't expect everybody to be a saint at heart, but uh, the least we can do is to live and let live. New Holy, what would be your uh, motivation on Monday this week?
2: Actually, I got inspired for some of the comments I collected from my facebook page that's no no chinese if you like to follow please thank you and i asked what motivates you to start this week and i've got quite a lot of really cool comments i'll share a few we've i've got um a comment from elizabeth bath saying empty yourself of everything let your mind become still that's from Um, Lao Tzu and she said it resonates to me and helped me to be more connected to myself rather than looking for outside approvals doing nothing is not laziness I kind of like that Mm -hmm. and also I've got another one from Kenny Yam saying be like water and that is from Bruce Lee apparently Bruce Lee Lao Tzu very much liked by our international friends as well and my personal favorite is actually from Jeff McCartney and The quote is, the destination is the obsession, but style is the journey. I think this is saying that the destination is often the obsession, it's the addiction, but it is the journey that truly defines our style. And Hmm. I find that quote quite motivating because we have this addiction towards, does it, um, destination. And it suggests that our happiness is somewhere in the future. If I could just, I don't know, hit this milestone or get this amount of money or work out this much or I'll do this to this extent, I will be happy. But actually, that is not the case. If you put, if you put your happiness in somewhere in the future, you might highly likely not to get happy at present. Mm. So maybe place your happiness to the present. And that motivates me to start my week.
0: All right. And let's move on to my quote. And that is, this is uh, from a Chinese history book. And and let me translated directly it goes like this a piece of jade looks just like a rock before it is cut and polished a great steed does not stand out from the herd until it is tested on the road some people may spend an entire life not knowing what our true talent is if they do not get out there and take on challenges like the uncut jade they mingle with the rocks so try and embrace whatever opportunities challenges tests and competitions coming your way taking part is a process of cutting and polishing and and who is to say maybe you'll emerge a better person than you went in. And that's it for our discussion today on Roundtable. Thank you for listening. Uh, find us on Roundtable China at on Apple Podcasts.